Welcome to the DGR Podcast. I'm your host, David Gray. Hello everyone, David here. Welcome back to the DGR Podcast. I hope you are all doing well. I am sitting in my office on a nice September, October day. September is just over and I'm going to record a solo pod for you guys and um, I'm going to answer some questions. I put up a little Q&A on Instagram and last night and I got probably over 100 questions and some are suitable for the podcast. Some are a lot are suitable for the podcast. Some I will try and answer on Instagram, and some I will answer here. So if I didn't answer your, if I didn't, if you asked a question there and you're listening to the podcast and I didn't answer it, apologies. I just can't answer all of them, but I do appreciate you answering the question. So um, let me see some of the questions. One is a question about getting people back in the gait cycle and if that is the best way to restore mobility. So I will discuss that. One is uh, about sensory work for the feet and how important that is. One is, are you still grappling? One is, are you dropping another program and what could it be? One is, why did you decide to join Twitter? And one is, do you ever gatekeep information on your Instagram so that you have content for elsewhere? So I think some good questions, a mix of movement-based stuff and some other stuff, and uh, will be enough valuable content for all of you. So a little life update, you might have heard through the grapevine slash my email newsletter slash Instagram that Kira is pregnant. I won't say that we are pregnant. I think that's a bit of a weird thing to say. So Kira is pregnant and uh, we are expecting a baby in March and... I am thrilled. We are both absolutely over the moon. Very, very excited. A little bit nervous, I will say. Um, but not too bad. Not. I don't think I'm too bad about it. I don't think I'm... I'm actually not really nervous at all. I'm more like... I'm more like people are kind of congratulating, which is great, obviously, and almost celebrating, which is also great. But I, I'm more like... I, I'm... I know that there can be obviously health complications and all this stuff along the way and blah, blah, blah. So touch wood here. But like, I feel like I can't really celebrate the thing as much until I have a baby in my hands. So I, um, yeah, it is kind of a, a slight conflict between being excited and also knowing that I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch type of thing. Uh, and also not being like weird or morbid about the, the thing either, just being kind of, realistic so um so yeah uh, but the doctor slash yeah the doctor that we have said that uh pregnancy and labor is for fit people he said that to kira and she's been doing really well so far and um she's definitely fit and she's been taking it all in in her stride so yeah i'm just 98 percent excited two percent like one percent nervous about just making sure it all goes okay and then not even 1% nervous about like the raising of the child. I think, no, I won't say the raising. I mean, like, I know we'll figure that part out. Now, I do have, I do want to be a good dad. So that's another whole other topic that I haven't really even thought about that much. But I want to make sure I'm a good dad. And I 
have some probably have some shit that I need to figure out for myself before I can do that or while I'm doing that I don't want not that much shit to figure out but like I just don't want to have any baggage coming into fatherhood that is then being placed on top of a child uh, that didn't sign up for that so I want to make sure that like my mind is in a good place our life is in a good place our business not a perfect place or anything but everything is in a good place so I can um, give a child the best possible happiest most fulfilling life that I possibly could and be a good dad and I think I will be a good dad but yeah uh, I've spoken to Kira about potentially she's kind of been on to me about potentially well we were speaking about this for several years actually like potentially going and seeing a therapist or something chatting about I don't know whatever whatever uh chatting about my emotions because that might be a good idea uh, as someone who's not a particularly outrightly emotional person it might be a good idea um but I have and actually I've wanted to do that for several years myself I've thought that that would be a good idea I probably have some like garbage in my closet that I could do a clearing out but at the same time I I have a mental block about it because I know how crap the vast majority of therapists in our industry are and coaches in our industry are like genuinely I think if you're someone who listens to this you recognize that too because you're actually one of the few people who is interested in improving yourself and uh, doing a better job with your clients whereas and you might think that that is common in this industry, but it's really, really not. And um, yeah, I just see, I just can't see how it wouldn't be the same in an adjacent industry. Now I know like the health and fitness industry is a bit more, it attracts more charlatans, of course, but I just can't see how it wouldn't be the same in that adjacent industry in the therapy, like psychology, psychiatry industry, how there wouldn't be just loads and loads of people a large percentage of people who just went for some reason decided I'm going to get a like a degree in this and yeah I never I never really tried to get any better I just kind of settled in and and this is what I did and also in our industry our health and fitness industry there's so many people who just really do a bad job for their clients and then there's a fair few there's a fair percentage that act like actively sabotage their clients they want them to be in pain for a long time so that they keep coming back to see them whether they're doing that consciously or subconsciously or unconsciously or whatever the word is it, it depends on the person I think but like I imagine that's the case in that industry too that they want you to kind of get short-term benefits but never actually figure things out so that you keep coming back to see them and paying them more money so like I do have a mental block around that so I would be semi-open to going to see someone and chatting about it because I think it's probably a good idea for me and probably most Irish men who are, I don't know, traumatized by, I don't know, years and years of just getting on with things and pretending things are fine and never talking about anything. So I think that would be a good idea, but I would like to get a recommendation from for someone first and not for a Zoom call because that's what I do all day. So it would have to be someone local. So if you're someone local and you know someone that would be good to talk to then let me know um so yeah that's going to be the pregnancy coming in march so we have a lot lot of things to do before then i just said i'd update you a little bit we have 
So my where our premises currently is is actually whether you notice you might some of you might notice some of you might not, but I have at the very start start of COVID uh, out the back of my dad's house we have a, a st- he had stables here that there hadn't been a horse in in ten years previous to that and there was stables and a garage a double garage and we took half of his garage and the four stables so he w- he went from having four stables and a double garage to half a garage and we took the rest and we converted it all and we did a really nice job but he actually has just gone sale agreed on his house and we've been paying him rent by the way we paid for all this and we've been paying him rent all along um but he's just gone sale agreed on his house which means that we are going to be kicked out uh very very soon by the by the looks of things um probably in the next four to six weeks, three to six weeks, I would say. So we need to find a new premises. And I think it's put pressure on us, like not not the worst ever because we can obviously take clients online or take all of our, just move to purely online for a couple of months if we need to, an extra couple of months if we need to. But it's just the whole thing of like having a professional outfit where we can have our office and not be doing things at home and blah 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 and also this has made me think about potentially um just potentially pushing on a little bit in our business and probably the location that we were in and the fact that we were in this really nice gym and really nice premises out the the back of my dad's house it probably made me purposefully keep our in-person stuff a bit smaller and it's made me kind of potentially think about could we scale that up just a little bit so i just went to see a couple of premises premises the other day and one of them wasn't right one of them could be right i'm going back to see it again tomorrow and it's going to be quite a quite a big place place for a nice big long gym space and then potential for some offices and what i've been thinking about doing is potentially hiring a thinking about hiring in our network um, or someone that I know or someone that I know is super interested in our work. Uh, there's a few different potential hires that I could make next. Uh, whether I don't know if you're interested in hearing this, but I'm going to say it anyway. So I could, I think the one that would move the needle the most revenue wise would be a social media slash slash content manager. So I'm thinking about trying to hire a content manager. Now, this wouldn't be someone that's like just gone to college and just done like digital marketing or something like that. Not that it could be that type of person, but like it also could just be a younger person who really likes content and knows how to make good content and is relatively organized and they don't even have to have any experience whatsoever really in in working in an organization. They just have to be intelligent and semi relentless. I would say they're my two, uh, they're my two criteria, probably like a a certain level of intelligence, which you just can't really teach a certain level of cop on. And then a certain level of like relentlessness, relentlessness or perseverance would be would be quite good so one potential hire could be a a social media manager which would look after or we have a spanish instagram account now we're going to try and grow that we have a, 
our own Instagram account. We have our DGR education Instagram account. Um, I just set up a Twitter account. We have my Instagram account. If I mentioned that or not, we have the podcast. I'm going to try and grow on YouTube and then we have our newsletter. So they would just like, not that I wouldn't do any of that. I would still do a lot of that stuff. I can't outsource the content because it's built off the back of me uh, more than anything else, but they would help me a lot with that and help me film it a little bit and stuff like that. So that would be one potential hire that we could consider making. The other one would be revenue wise. I think that would be the most important one because at the moment over the last three years, every time I've put out more content and more doesn't mean like more crappy content. It means more good content. Every time I put out more good content, we've got, we've made more money off the back of that um, directly or indirectly. So yeah, that would be the best play revenue wise, I think. Then I have uh potential to uh I've been thinking about potentially pushing on the coaching side of things. So I would think about potentially hiring an SNC coach that could be that would be good and happy and knows our work uh quite well to to work with us and to start to take on online clients where they can do programming uh based on like obviously their thoughts and my thoughts and just being a really good snc that blends all of this nice work uh so we could potentially take on online clients for people that are like have done our programs are want more bespoke work but it's not rehab it's like they're ready to push on they're really ready to lift heavier and sprint and jump and all these things um and on an ongoing basis so i would think about taking on an snc that would do some online clients that would do some in-person uh clients potentially within the gym and then that would do we could i could potentially bring out or expand a little bit more into some of the just like get some force plates and stuff like that. And we could have some in-person testing then and and different things like that. So in-person clients, maybe even like semi PT if they wanted to do a little bit in the gym as well. So that's the other option. And then the third option would be to take on a physio, which could take on clients in person within the, within the gym. I could build in a little uh, clinic room for them. And they could take on clients under our brand and we could try and build up that that side of things for the in-person coaching. Um, and then they could see some online clients online, of course, as well, because uh, we already have Alice doing that. And she is her schedule is always pretty full up. Like she's always has basically when clients book in with Alice they like to keep booking in with Alice because she's so good and she doesn't have that many slots available online so we could potentially go that in that way or that way with things so yeah I think having a more professional space that's in a business park that's there that has a gym that has a few offices where we have me and Kira and then a digital or a content a media person where we have a another and and then one other coach like an essence either an snc or a physio or maybe both potentially at some stage but i that's what i'm thinking about the premises to push more on that side of things now i don't know if i will do all of that or any of that but that's where my mind is at the moment so 
yeah, I think it's going to, it's been a good thing that we have to leave this space just because it's forced me to think about that more deeply. So at the moment, I suppose if I break down our business a little bit, we have a few different parts to it. We have, and this was kind of happened by accident, but really I think like we have our coaching business, which is one-to-one work with me, one-to-one work with Alice, either in person or online just online with Alice and a little bit of in-person with me and a little bit of online with me. So we've that. We have our e-commerce business, which is selling programs to people online. And only recently I did I really decide in my own mind that did I actually realize that this is a proper e-commerce business that we have. It's not, it's still coaching, like you're buying DIY programs, but we kind of need to treat that like e-commerce. Um, and all the things that are involved in running an e-commerce business. And then we have the third arm of the business, which is the education side of things, which is DGR Interactive, which is um, our workshops and which is our mentorship that is going to be coming soon. And then, so we have the coaching side. We have the we have the e-commerce side, and then we have the education side. So there's three arms and above all of those is a media company really that the content is what drives each of those things and at the moment each of none of those three things are being fulfilled or being reaching their potential because i'm working on all three of those separately kind of separately uh even though they do obviously bleed into each other but i'm working on all three of those separately and so it might be time to build one more than the others or it might be time to i don't know everyone always says like really push on one side of it and i think we could i don't know i I haven't figured i haven't figured out exactly what way we should do it i know what way i should go uh if it's purely revenue that's in my mind but in the shorter term and medium term at least but in the longer term i think we can potentially make the most of all three and all of that is underpinned by good a good good media good content which draws people to our work hopefully like you guys listening who haven't hopefully turned off this episode yet so um so yeah that's how i've been thinking about it that's the premises that i need to to try and get and that's I'm not saying I will do all that stuff immediately, but at least the premises could offer offer the potential, the opportunity to push in those directions. Um, So yeah, that's that. And that's because that is selling the house that's forced us to start to look. So yeah, I'll go back and view that place tomorrow and we will see. I think it has potential, but it would need a decent bit of work to be done to it and I just don't want to sign a lease that is too short or too long. I'm trying to figure that out. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing is we need to find a new house, me and Kira, because <laughs> whether you know it or not, we work in stables and we live in stables. So over in Kira's house, out the back of her house, you're going to think like we're all like rich people with loads of horses and stuff. Neither is like neither of us have horses in either of these stables or had any time recently at all. So in at the back of her house, there was stables that were there that used to be used, and just before COVID or during, just at the start of COVID, we actually or just before COVID, I think we 
moved in uh we renovated stables out the back of her house in her yard and we moved in there so we have a very small little one bedroom apartment which is um actually has been amazing this is coming up to our fourth year i think in them so it has been definitely it was definitely a good good investment wise to pay for that and to build that which i think cost about 30 or maybe 40 grand even at the time but four years later we would have definitely paid at least that and, and a lot more in rent and we are still there so that's been a very good little investment for us and a very nice little home but unfortunately it won't be big enough to have a baby in we we would either have have to choose between the baby and roxy and that would that choice wouldn't go down well so it um yeah we're gonna have to find a new house as well by the time march comes around so i need a new premises and a new house by the time March comes around. And uh, that's going to be an interesting few months because I've been putting off everything on the real estate side of things, both commercial and private um, or residential real estate. And I was thinking about for a while, like getting into an investment property and blah, 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 blah. And like now, now I'm forced to do something on this side of things. So I'm going to have to learn very quickly, which is usually the way that i like to learn so let's see how that figures out um okay sorry that was like a 20 minute ramble about my life so hopefully either you're still with me or you're gone uh if you're still with me here is the first question do you think getting people back in the gate cycle is the best way to restore mobility um so this is a topic that's spoken about a lot i've spoken about a little bit when this person says back in the gate cycle I presume, not I presume, like I know what they mean. And it is in in the gate cycle, you need to hopefully be able to really access early stance, mid stance and late stance. So you transition through the phases and that helps you to access all of the joint motions that your body needs, basically. So you're going to be traveling through through those phases you're going to be traveling through if you do them quite well hip flexion hip extension hip internal rotation external rotation adduction and abduction so you're going to be traveling through all of these motions maybe not at the very end range but through a nice enough range that you keep your that joint healthy let's say and all of your joints healthy and when this person says getting people back what they mean is that well, I, I'm going to presume what they mean is that like people race through the gate cycle, maybe they get to er- a late stance very early. And so they start to miss some of those joint articulations. And then when they meet a coach or a physio, the coach or the physio or movement professional says, oh, like you are very tight. You need to stretch more to get back your mobility or something like this. And which could be the case, of course, but all, actually a lot of the time, when they go and walk, which could be 10,000 steps of the day, they're not accessing the joint movements when they go and move. So giving them two sets of five of a little stretch, probably two sets of five or two sets of 10 or 20 reps or a 30 second hold of a stretch really isn't going to do it because the reason they're losing their mobility is it's a movement pattern problem. So do you think that getting people back in the gate cycle is the best way? And ju- just to when people race into late stance very early, they're going to lock up because where you, 
that's where you're pushing off. That's where like you need the other leg to come forward. That's where if you even stand up and lean forward, you'll feel a lot more muscular activation when you start to come towards the front of their of your feet because your calves and your feet and your hips and your back extensors all are fighting to hold you up at that stage to stop you from falling over and if they're on all of the time because you're always kind of half falling over or racing forward a lot with your body then you're going to have a ton of muscular tension and muscular tension is going to excessive muscular tension is going to limit your your mobility so you could say okay we need to stretch these muscles so that you have less muscular tension or you could say actually we just need to help you move in a way that is going to help your muscles uh, and joints move through more range just when you go and move so that you're not carrying all this tension all of the time you're moving from eccentric to concentric to eccentric to concentric so the muscle is starting to go through range rather than just being like on all the time let's say so with all that said do you think getting people back in the gait cycle is the best way to restore mobility uh yes and no so I don't like the conversation too much around getting people back in the gate cycle because this this isn't what is actually happening to people in terms of like what people are saying isn't what's happening to people. They're saying that they're they can only access late stance or something. I don't think that's the case. Like, how could that be the case? Everyone is accessing a version of early stance and a version of mid stance and a version of late stance. So if you focus on getting them back and doing breathing drills into the back of the rib cage and all of this stuff and shifting all their weight back into their heels, that will restore mobility in the short term, I think. In the very short term, like a massage would, like uh, any other types of modalities to help restore mobility, like that will work and maybe a little bit better than some of those modalities sometimes. But... The reason that someone loses mobility or loses motion is because if you're saying it's because they race to late stance, then getting them back isn't the answer. It's giving them a different way to move forward is the answer, I would say. So if someone always extends through their back and is very compressed through the back of the rib cage, if you even squeeze your shoulder blades back together now, you'll hopefully feel how that pushes your chest forward. Sorry, I need to cough. (coughs) Have a drink of water. So when you squeeze your shoulder raise back, that pushes your chest forward. So if you're someone who is always closed off on the back of the rib cage, that's pushing your chest forward. And now you're saying, okay, you need to do breathing drills into the back of the rib cage. But it's not a... And that, and that can definitely help. And I use that stuff. So I don't want to say that it's, it won't help. But what you're seeing is their way of moving forward in space. This is an overall body strategy that they use to move forward in space. And probably if you strip this to layer back, which was, okay, you're really compressed through your back. And if you just say one plus one equals two, as in you're really compressed through your back, so I need to open up your back. Yes, that could be an option. But if you say you're really compressed through your back and you're using your back for propulsion, 
the logical next thing to say is not, I'm going to open up your back with breathing drills. The logical next thing to say is, why are you compressing through your back all of the time? And so that leads you to a different conclusion, which isn't, I just need to open up your back. The conclusion might be, you are using your back to push you forward or uh, yeah, as propulsion because you can't use your hips for that. You are extending through your back because you can't extend through your hip. You are extending through your back to go forward because you can't flex your knee instead. You are extending through your back because you can't dorsiflex your ankle. And usually it's a combination of all those things. So I don't think the emphasis on getting people back in the gait cycle is the right way to think about it. I think the emphasis should be on how do you improve how people move forward in the gait cycle? Because there is no back. Back doesn't really exist in in propulsion. It, it You can do backwards drills. You can do sled drags. You can do plyometrics going backwards i do all of this stuff you can do backwards walking you can do backwards i don't know a million drills that focus on getting you back but ultimately 99 percent of our life is lived where we are moving forward or laterally which you can still you still need to think of laterally as moving forward really because i won't get into that that's a whole other that's a whole other conversation, but forward and laterally are going to be very similar. Backwards is there. The mechanics of forwards and laterally in terms of what the shin is doing and all this stuff is the same. The mechanics of moving backwards is the opposite. So 99% of our lives is going to be lived where we're moving, having to move forwards and up um, or forwards and down or forwards and sideways. So you have to improve how people move forwards in space, not just focusing on getting them back in the gait cycle. So back, getting them back in the gait cycle, helping them at better access early stance, potentially a mid stance is part of, could be, could not is, could be part of your overall plan to say, okay, I do need to open up the back of this rib cage. I do need to stop that pelvis going forward all of the time. But I would say that's like the first rung on the ladder. And then all the other rungs are, I need to help people not need to like if this I'm saying if this is the person that you're you're talking about it's not everyone it's not everyone doesn't need to do this but if it's this if it's the right person then the first rung on the ladder might be okay I will get them back a little bit maybe I still don't think about it that way and then all the other rungs is I'm going to improve how they move forward and I think a lot of the people that are doing breathing drills and rolling on the floor for every single drill the reason you have to keep doing that is because they have they have to keep bringing their clients back 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 because every time they come back in to see them they've they, they see that they are now oh oh shit you've lost all that movement again you keep going forward too fast you keep compressing the back of your body you keep falling forward and now your body has to squeeze and grip so bringing them back might be one part of it but the thing that actually keeps them transitioning through the gait cycle better is improving how they move forward so i hope that uh part makes sense hey guys just a super quick break from the show i just wanted to tell you that for our foot ankle and achilles program we actually just added a bonus section to it so there's already four phases worth of foot and lower leg training it shows you the exact step-by-step system that i use with all my lower leg and foot clients and then 
we had a couple of people asking a little bit around big toe stuff about improving flexion extension and strength around the big toe and the forefoot in general so i added in a bonus big toe awakening sequence there as well so for those of you who've already bought it the 3000 almost now you'll see that bonus at the start or sorry at the end of the whole program so there's the education the four phases uh the plyometric work and then you'll see the bonus at the bottom for those of you who haven't got it yet same for you so make sure you jump on it uh we'll put the link in the show notes and you won't regret it it's been our most popular by a by a mile program so far and i absolutely am very proud of it so check out the foot ankle and achilles program in the show notes i do think that is a really important thing to understand and i think that i would say I would say almost no one does that does that that well and all of the talk around the gate cycle stuff that you see nowadays is about bringing them back and it is way less important than teaching people how to move forward better um so yeah way 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 less important uh so that's my answer there second uh, second question in phase one and two of the foot program, you emphasize sensory work. Is it the sense that is driving changes or is it the new movement we are using? Um, it's a good question. Um, so if you haven't done the foot program and you don't want to do it, but that's fine. But there's a YouTube video on it, on this where I talk about the phases, which you can... Uh, if you type into YouTube foot and Achilles program, understanding the training phases, that should bring up my video. And in that video, I talk about like sensory work is phase one, not just sensory work. Let me see what I have written down for phase one. So I have phase one, sensory foot function and soleus connection. That's phase one. So, So I have, yeah. So in fairness to the question, you're saying, is it sense or new movement? Well, I have both there in phase one, sensory and foot function. And then Soleus connection as well, which you'll all have felt if you've done it. This disgusting Soleus connection. Um, so is it the sense that is driving changes or is it the new movement, new movements that we're doing? Uh, it's both, right? So I would say in those drills, let's say those pronation drills that we're using, pronation and supination drills, they're just, they're, we're doing both in those drills. Let's just focus on those for a second. So you'll see me maybe use a sock under the medial arch in those. I think I have that in the program. You'll see me use a sock sometimes with clients. Uh, you will hear my voice, obviously, if you're listening to the videos. You'll hear me using words like feel and sense and pressure and... Um, describing different parts of your foot so i am using my words as you're moving to drive your awareness into different parts of your foot so that is that is sense that i'm trying to as soon as i ask a question in this instance do you feel the inside of your heel your brain is going to that area is it is it it needs to answer that question do i feel the inside of my heel so the question is do you feel the inside of your heel your brain has to go to that area to answer the question it can't not so you'll hear me use my voice and my words in a way that is driving sense a lot of the time uh, and forcing you to sense things 
not forcing, directing you to hopefully sense things. So without the sense, I don't think we're going to get the movement that we want. And without the movement that we want, I don't think we're going to get the senses that we want from it. So these two things have to work together because if, for instance, speed of movement in these drills are really important. If you're going too fast to the, through these drills and you're someone who really doesn't access your midfoot particularly well, and this goes back to the last question around giving people a better way to move forward, not just bringing them back, improving how they move forward. So if they don't really access their midfoot that well, then we can keep doing the movement. but if they're going too fast, they won't have a chance to sense the changes in pressure in their foot. And if they're going to, if they can't sense the changes in pressure in their foot, the, the changes in pressure probably won't happen in their foot because they already don't have access to that movement. So this is where if we can slow down the movement then we have the chance to sense different areas because time is important when we're trying to sense things. This is why isometrics can be very valuable when you're working on feeling in not just in lower, like slow, gentle drills like this, but also in a leg extension, isometric for your patellar tendon. You can get a chance to learn and feel how to recruit more quadricep fibers as you hold it the weight is teaching you that the position is teaching you that and your intention and your sense is teaching you that and that might sound funny that you can that might sound funny but if uh, if you're someone who's ever had pain in your patellar tendon you will understand a lot of pain or in any tendon you will understand that how important or how hard it can be to actually get that muscle to recruit really really well or pain, not just in your patellar tendon, in your joint, in your knee, or your Achilles. It can be very hard to really recruit that soleus. That's why, again, in the foot program, we have phase one, uh, sense, foot function, and soleus connection. So, um, so yeah, if we can... I've gone all over the shop there. So, if we can slow down the movement, we get a chance to sense different areas of pressure in the foot and how the pressure shifts. And now, as we sense how the pressure shifts it starts to shift differently because we're paying a, uh, paying attention to that area. So sl- the speed of movement changes the sense of movement, which then changes the speed, uh, which then changes the mechanics of the movement. So it's both. It has to be both. That's why I will talk about the speed of the movement. I will talk about where you need to feel the pressure. I will talk about how to do the movement. And this is why reps of this movement are really important, like doing a decent few reps, but also why doing good quality reps is important because if you just race through these movements, you're going to just do them how you always do them and you won't improve the sense and you won't improve the movement. You won't change the sense, you won't improve the movement. So something like a sock, all it's doing, that's that's the really interesting thing, something like a sock That's why I would use that, and I started using that a lot more instead of wedges. Wedges is using a wedge to force a movement. It's saying, force might be a strong word, but to direct the movement. So I'm I'm putting in a wedge here on the outside of your foot so that you kind of are forced to push towards the medial aspect of your foot a little bit more. I would rather use a sock on the inside and say, okay, as you bring your knee forward, 
I'm asking you a question. Can you feel more of the sock as you come forward? And now can you feel less of the sock as you come back out? So if the answer is yes, I can feel more, then that means the movement is happening and the sense is is increasing as I do it. Whereas if I just use a wedge, you could get the movement without the increase in sensation because you're just kind of forced into that position. Um, now, obviously, there's going to be an increase in sensation to some degree, but I don't think it's the same. So I would say, is is what's driving the changes? Is it the sense or is it the new movement? It, in those drills, it has to be together. It's both. And in a lot of drills, even at high speed, when I was over with Jonas and Loughborough, like he was talking, he was doing speed drills and a huge part of his coaching was about was about feel and like he didn't say that explicitly but I could just notice how much he was using the the not just their word feel but different different words to drive sense and feeling into the athletes so that they could hopefully then take that with them in other in in running so I know like running drills and sprinting drills get bashed these days because it doesn't or these don't exactly mimic the mechanics of your sprinting. But you can take a feeling of something in it from a drill and try and take that with you then into another movement. You don't have to. It doesn't have to exactly mimic it. It could just be enough to give you a feeling of what you're looking for. So sense, I think, is really important. Feeling, I think, is really important. Awareness, I think, is really important. Uh, so hopefully that answers that question. So that's the gait cycle and restoring mobility one. That is the sensory one from the foot program. You should check out the foot program, by the way. Um, are you still grappling? Uh, yes, I am. I was grappling last night. Uh, I haven't done as much. I didn't do as much over the summer because uh, I started playing a lot more tennis and I kind of hurt my meniscus a little bit, which I think I have a little tear in anyway, regardless or had, but yeah, I kind of tweaked it a little bit. And then when I got into a, when I was getting into a deep position, it was catching me quite a bit and it didn't feel like, yeah, I knew it was going to be fine. I knew it was going to be absolutely fine. So I just needed a, a, a little bit of time to give that a chance. And it was absolutely fine. Like playing tennis, sprinting, change of direction, doing plyos and stuff like that. But just when I was getting into that deep position, uh, super deep end range flexion it was kind of catching me so I needed to give that a little break and also it wasn't oh sorry my headphones just plugged out one sec let me check if that is back microphone speaker yeah oh microphone speaker external headphones okay hopefully I'm back um so it wasn't just that it was also the, when I tweaked that meniscus in medial meniscus I also got this like I was getting this pain in the posterior lateral corner uh, of the knee. So, and that can be, for anyone who's had that before, that can be a weird feeling. And I felt a bit unstable, actually, even playing tennis for the first couple of weeks after that happened. Uh, change of direction. My tibia felt like it was not shifting forward and back, but like there was a little bit more rotation there than it, there should have been at higher speed. So, uh, yeah, I gave Jiu-Jitsu a, a break for a little while. And I've gotten back into it. And um, yeah, it's good. I've just, I've, I've learned to just get more stubborn, which helps me um, where before, like if someone really wanted to sweep me and I felt like I wasn't in that much of a strong position, I would kind of let them do it. Um, maybe because I was a bit more fearful of injury or something like that. Whereas now I'm just like, nah, I'm just a bit more stubborn with things. And it's, 
made me feel more like I would have in other sports where I'm like, nah, I'm going to try and be the boss here rather than just being dictated to all the time. So yeah, grappling jujitsu has been good, very enjoyable. And um, yeah, now the also the issue is because I took that break, all the people that started at the same time as me are now better than me. <laughs> so that's a bit shit, but at least I can beat up the newbies a little bit um, for the next week until they get better than me also. Okay, so next question from Jacob. Do you ever gatekeep information on your Instagram so you have content that you can offer on DGRI or in-person seminars? Uh, good question, Jacob, my friend. Um, no, not really. I don't really. And this, I think this question applies to everyone. Like everyone has this question with their own content. How much free information should I give out? Um. I get that question all the time. And this is another version of that. So do you gatekeep info so that you have content then that you can offer on DGRI or in-person seminars? So basically, like for me, the question there from Jacob is, do you, do, like, do you give it all away for free? Or do you keep some content so that people pay for it? And everyone has that question because do you give it away for free? Or do you make your clients pay for your programming or to come in to see you or whatever? So I don't really gatekeep info. I the, the platform kind of does that for me automatically, if you think about it. Because when I post on Instagram, the way the platform is designed, I can only post a certain amount of detail on a post before that post gets lost in translation or gets too long or too detailed or whatever it's just it just doesn't allow you to go into a lot of detail so the platform gatekeeps it for me then when people are interested they come uh let's say they're they're like okay i see that there's value in this content and i need i want to learn more so they buy a program let's say then they use that program. The program, I'm not gatekeeping information on the program. I had to try and design my programs in a way that's like, okay, how do I deliver on the on the outcome that I have promised, which is whatever, lower body basics. Improve your lower body strength, coordination, and mobility in 20 minutes a day type of thing. So like, I can only put a certain amount of information. If you put too much information in that, they people won't do any of it. So I can only put so much information in there. So the the program them that they buy is kind of gatekept because it's for a specific thing. So then someone listens to a podcast and I can talk in more detail about certain topics, but I can't go into, I don't have a visual aid. Obviously, you can watch it on YouTube, but I'm not showing you videos of my clients and I'm not explaining in as much detail certain topics because I can't, because I I would rather refer you to DJ Interactive, one, because you pay me, but not because not because I'm gatekeeping on the podcast, but because on DJ Interactive, I know who's list, who's watching those videos. They're coaches and therapists and they've come and they've come in there and I can also reference other videos on the site and I can show you my clients and I can 
use a visual aid and I can for rewind and slow down movement and all this stuff. So the podcast information is being naturally gatekept, but I'm still always trying to answer the question that is that is on my mind or someone has asked in the best way possible. On Instagram, when I do a post, I'm not trying to hide information. I'm thinking about what's the right information to present in this context. I'm not trying to hide it. So that that that's the same with the podcast. That's the same with DJ Interactive. That's the same with a workshop. That's the same when we do a mentorship. And I have a lot to say about things. Whether you agree with me or not, that's fine. That's a different question. But I do have a very well-developed thought process. Not fully developed, not perfect. I don't mean anything like that. But when you ask me about an exercise that I'm doing with a client, I can give you the history if I wanted to, I could give you the history of that exercise, which is the reason I do this position, this in this way is for X, Y, and Z reasons. Then the reason I might actually tweak it in this way and turn the pelvis that way is for these reasons. The reason I might take the heel off versus the heel down. This exercise is a really nice regression for this type of movement. And here's the end movement that we're working towards. So I have a lot to say. And if people feel like that's valuable, they can't, they can't ever piece that together on Instagram. So it's naturally being gatekept and yeah, I don't have to try to do that. Uh, It's just naturally that it just naturally happens in that way for me. And I think it will naturally happen in that way for all of you and everyone listening as well. If you give away free information, like you basically can give away pretty much everything that you do and it's going to be gatekept even if that's not the right word it's going to be not implemented at all by certain people and it's going to be semi-implemented by others but who don't fully understand it or who yeah can't piece it together properly or don't know how it fits in the whole or it's going to be, even if it was implemented really well for pe- by people, actually what you'll find is they are going to want even more to give you money and even more uh, want to work with you because they're, the law of reciprocity is telling them without them knowing it, like, I'm getting value from this person. I need to give something back. So... I do gatekeep information on from Instagram for DJ Interactive and in-person seminars, but not because I'm trying to hold things back from people, but because it's not the right place to deliver that information, I would say. I hope that kind of makes sense. And I have a lot to say. And even if there is some people who I think they think they're winning by like seeing a lot of my information and not coming to a workshop and not doing a mentorship. And honestly, that's absolutely fine. I would prefer if they gave me money, of course. And I prefer if they accredited me for the the information that they're taking directly from it. But they, they have, they don't, they, they are probably the ones that don't realize that they're getting like a small piece of the picture, not because I'm holding back, but because I, it would be genuinely 
it would be pretty much impossible for people to get an idea of everything we do and why we do it and how we progress it and where it all fits in and how we speak to our clients and why we use certain exercises for our client. Like it's very well thought out. Uh, and again, it might be wrong, but it's I've I've thought about this stuff for 10 years. So it absolutely might be wrong, my thoughts on it. But there is reasons why I place an exercise first in a program versus second in a program that goes far beyond like S&C type of like, oh, this exercise potentiates that exercise. It goes far beyond that. It, it's it's about the psychology of what people, what order people will enjoy doing the exercises in uh and i'm not i'm not saying i'm the only one there's like any good coaches doing this but yeah it, it exercise certain certain exercises might seem like weird exercises to choose sometimes but then when you see what they're working towards they actually make a ton of sense certain exercises like i spoke about earlier like more sensory aspects they all filter into other things so we have a very well developed model that cannot be communicated on instagram and so that's naturally being gay kept anyway and again i think i mentioned this like on a on a podcast uh recently i think where i spoke about alice working with us for like how long was it alice not the church here beside me but like is it two years now i don't know but like every time we have a conversation she learns more about the 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 why behind the why let's say so she knows why to do a certain exercise and she knows really well like when we were over with jonas again like we I was doing certain things and she could see like obviously it was almost like I could see obviously that you were going to do that type of movement or why would you, why would you cue it in that way but sometimes we have conversations around like why that is the case why we would do even do that not why we would choose that exercise for that person but why I came to that conclusion in the first place like several years ago when the, there's a course that I t- I learned that teaches the exercise in a different way or the intention in a different way so uh yeah I think the information is naturally being gatekept and um, you just couldn't learn a model like that or any good model any good model I don't mean mine you just can't learn that on Instagram so if I think if you feel, I don't mean you, Jacob, but I mean you in general, if you feel like you're afraid to give out free information because people are going to take it, then my question to you would be, how well developed is your model? Because if your model is that shallow that people can actually learn it and take it from Instagram, then it's not well developed. Because if it was well developed, they could learn stuff. And even I believe that our free content is far better than 90% and you'll get far better results with your clients than 95% of the courses that you go to the in, in the industry and we've been told this hundreds and probably thousands of times from people that when they implement their content their clients get better results and that they enjoy work doing their job better more than 10 years of going to other courses and stuff like this so if you feel I think if you feel like you're afraid to put out free content i think your model is not well developed because if it was 
then putting out free content, it would be a drop in the ocean of pe- from what people could learn, could potentially learn from you. And if you're afraid that, may- maybe you're afraid that actually all you have to offer people is that drop in the ocean, then that is something that you need to be worried about and that you want to make sure you're developing. But I would still give away that drop in the ocean. I would still put that out there. Um, but just in a way that's suited for the platform, which still gatekeeps that gate gatekeeps that drop in the ocean. It's still naturally gatekept by the fact that Instagram doesn't allow you to go into much detail, and for good reason. It's not made for that. So, um, so yeah, all these things are different. They're just different experiences. Instagram content is a different experience for people than DJ Interactive, where they can watch videos and rewind and and reference other videos and go into other things in person seminars i can't touch you or you can't touch someone else and coach someone else on instagram and then in a mentorship you can't get 12 weeks or 10 weeks or whatever we're going to do however length we're going to do it where it's like a semi-intense uh 10 weeks of studying with us where you can ask questions so naturally the platform gate keeps the information so hope that kind of answers that question and it is a really important question and again one last time if you're afraid to put out free content how much value do you actually have because it maybe you actually maybe that free content that you're putting out maybe your work doesn't go deeper than that and if that's the case you need to learn more because it should go deeper someone shouldn't be able to get even one percent of what you think about things on instagram even if you posted every day for 10 years, if I posted every day for 10 years, people wouldn't get anywhere close to how I, all the things I think about movement. And I'm not saying I'm special. I'm saying everyone should be like that because you have a well-developed, uh, and maybe a lot of people are like that because you have a well-developed uh, thought process and model. So yeah, hope that answers that one, Jacob. Okay, I have one last question. Why did you join Twitter? I joined Twitter because like I said at the start around the media company it's time for us to start around the the social media person it's time for us to start to treat our our coaching business our e-commerce business and our education businesses which I kind of started to view as separate it's time for us to start to think about those as and they and they a a media company is overarching all of these and a media company wouldn't be just an instagram post it would have twitter and we're also going to start to do proper youtube videos not just putting up the podcast so i i want to start to diversify out but i don't want myself to have to do all that so that's why i want to hire so i think doing a little bit on twitter it won't take long i just put up a post there uh, or like a little mini three post thread on twitter it took me 10 minutes so i think it could be a nice quick way of connecting with a new audience potentially or even a current audience in a slightly different way youtube i want to i'm i've been bullish about youtube for many years now i think it's going to continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and instagram and whatever other platforms may may you may you may lose them they may go down they may be replaced i just don't see youtube for the next couple of decades i think it's going to become an even bigger monster if you look at how kids are consuming our younger generations are consuming content now and i want us to be part of that and i've put off twitter i've put off youtube for 
three years now in terms of like properly uh having a, a little plan around it and now i think is the right time although now is probably also a terrible time because i have a baby coming in march and i could be just completely stretching myself too much but yeah i'm gonna give it a, a little bit of a blast and see how it goes so make sure you follow me over there um Okay, so that was the gatekeeping, that was grappling, that was the sensory, that was gate cycle, that was Twitter. Uh, when Other question, when are you dropping your next program and what could it be? Um, I won't be dropping another program, I don't think. I've thought about it. I was going to do like a... <clears throat> I was going to do like a strength and plyometric type of program, but that was before we did the foot one, so we did the foot one instead, and then I'm going to do the mentorship starting hopefully in January instead so um that's going to be my next program but that's more on the education side of the business so uh yeah um we're off to america now in today is tuesday you're probably listening to this on a thursday we're off to america on a thursday we're going to go and meet with hopefully do a podcast with andy chen in new york city um we have a podcast that we have already recorded with uh peter wright pt performance that's going to come up so there's a couple of really nice guest episodes coming up for you guys and then we're going to go to teach a workshop in in new york teach a workshop in washington dc come home and then we're going to go to verona and teach a workshop there and um the guys in magnitudo training so three sold out workshops coming up that's the last ones of the year and now you know why i said there was going to be not too many workshops next year because uh i'm going to be a daddy so thank you very much for listening i will chat to you guys uh when i chat to you hopefully we'll have a guest episode next week and um yeah don't forget join dj interactive the content has been absolutely popping there recently so we have had the best we have 200 hours of content on biomechanics and movement and rehab and training and guest lectures and everything but over the last i would say two months there's been case studies from me looking at different movements there's been guest presentations there's been just top class content that you can learn either 10 minutes a week 10 some people do 10 minutes a day and i have a biomechanics 101 course that i added there as well which has 13 key biomechanics lessons for you to start off with when you first join so we'll put the link in the bio for all that stuff um i'm going to ask you once just on this podcast can you drop me a little bit of feedback on it um because i know i ramble all over the place but Send me a message on Instagram or an email or something like that, please, or on Twitter maybe, and let me know what you thought of it because, um, yeah, I would. I'm just going to ask you. I don't ask much for feedback on the podcast, but if you could pre- please give me a bit of feedback, that would be good. Uh, okay, good to talk to you guys. Chat to you next time.